Welcome to the Quantum Alignment Q&A, Humboldt series, where we traverse through an array of healing modalities to educate, empower, and excite our listeners on their path of holistic health and wellness. In sharing various practitioners' experiences and insight, we hope to cultivate a deeper relationship between one's true self, the mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies. Join naturopath, transpersonal psychologist, and cannabis therapy consultant, Dr. Pepper Hernandez, in the Humboldt Quantum Alignment Series. And now, here is your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Welcome, and thank you so much for making time to be present with us today. Our intention for this podcast is for each and every one of us to get one step closer to the highest version of ourselves each and every day. Today, I have a very special guest I'm super excited to talk to. His name is Sergio Codina. He is a nurse at the Humboldt Open Door Clinic. He's been there since 2006. His focus is basically on HIV and transgender services. Thank you so much for being here. I have like a ton of questions. Great. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm really grateful that you're here today. I hope that the um, listeners go over to the podcast website and check out the picture of you because your necklace is phenomenal. Tell me about Uh, this. um, Well, I like to make my own jewelry. Oh, you made it too? Um, And I don't like little things. I like them big. Um, To me, this is my tie. Um, To me, ties are just way too heterosexual and I'll never wear one. I like jewelry. So I make my own and I buy on my travels, pick up pendants, beads, and then wait until something inspires me to put them together. Like I've had this particular pendant for about five or six years, Um, but I just really can never find the right beads to go with it. Um, And then I found these strands and these, and it just came to me one day. It's like, oh, this is all going to look good together. And it does. So listeners, you can't see it right now as we're talking, but it's it's mostly made of turquoise. turquoise is that yes. correct? So where are you getting your different pieces? Um, like travel? I said, in my travels, uh, Southwest, go to conferences and so forth. So yeah. whatever town I'm in, um, Chicago, New York. You're like um, searching out the turquoise. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Arizona, um, you know, Phoenix, um, just wherever I'm at. Um, I've been, you know... To the to Europe, I've I've picked up things there. Um, so where, whatever wherever I'm at, um, it could be an auction, um, so fun. a store, um, somebody out on the street, and I just see something that catches my eye, and I grab it, and eventually I'll find somehow to turn it into a necklace. That's a true jewelry <clears throat> and I've had, maker. Um, like uh, um, barrettes from India mm-hmm. that I've taken off the barrette part to put in your hair and turned it into a necklace. Um, I like them because they make a lot of noise. Yeah. <laughs> as you walk. <laughs> Very nice. Well, it's absolutely gorgeous. Thank and, you. and I'm glad that you wore that today because I could talk to you a little bit about it. Tell me, Sergio, how is it that you actually got into this type of healing modality here in our community? Because from what I understand, you may be one of the only ones who specialize in these kind of things here. Um, well, we're, we're trying to expand it our clinic okay. and get more and more people to do this. But yes, right now, I'm pretty much the center point. And up until recently, I was the only nurse handle well, not the only nurse. There's nurses in, in our Eureka office. Um, but there's been very few of us. Originally from the Sacramento area, moved to Los Angeles, moved here in 2004. But in Los Angeles, my, my goal when I went to, to nursing school was to be a life flight nurse. Um, I wanted to go to accidents and 
wherever at and help and get him to the emergency room. Got sidetracked by working in on an HIV floor one day and sidetracked or realigned. Oh, even uh-huh. better, realigned. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went onto that floor and just could never leave again because I didn't like how my people, gay men, were being treated on that floor. And so I just kind of chewed out the, the staff the first day that I was there, even though I'd never been on an HIV floor before, but just knew what they were doing was not in the best interest of the patient. Um, and so I, they asked me to stay. Um, so I did. You uh, chewed them out and they asked you to yes, stay. Nice. Yes. The, 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 <laughs> just happened to be the head nurse happened to be in report that day, which they don't normally do. And I just came down on them for one particular patient and afterwards, like, I want to take care of that one patient. Um, and as I started to go out onto the floor, the head nurse was like, uh, Mr. Cody, I need to speak to you. And I really thought she was going to send me home. And at that point, I was just like, I don't care. She sends me home. That's fine. I don't have to work with these, with these people. But she told me, you know, you're the first person who's ever came in here and advocated that way. I said, well, I'm sorry. I mean, these are my people. You're not giving them a fair shot. Your, your concerns really mean nothing to them. And so, you know, that needs to change. And so I just stayed. Now, where was that? This was in Los Angeles in at LA. Cedar sinai Okay, so that's where you were before. Yes. Okay. Um, and then I helped open up the HIV floor at USC County Metal Medical Center in Los Angeles. Um, oh, wow. Um, so that was in like 19, I guess it must have been like 1988 that I first went onto that floor and then realigned into HIV care. Moved up here um, in 2004. When I was in the last job I had in Los Angeles was clinical research for HIV medications. So all the antiretrovirals up until some of the recent ones, I kind of did one of the studies to get it approved. Um, so when I moved up here, I, was, I didn't realize there was an HIV program at Humboldt Open Door Clinic. Um, so I went back to the hospital and worked in their ICU for a couple of years. Um, and a friend of mine locally told me, you know, why are you working in a hospital? You should be doing HIV care. And I was like, well, they don't have that here. You got to go to a private doctor. Oh, no, no, no. Open Door has a, an HIV program. You should apply. Um, so I did. And um, they called me immediately and offered me the job. He went and interviewed and offered me the job. And I've been there ever since. Um, my transgender background comes in about a few years ago. The Lion Martin Clinic in San Francisco came up and gave a presentation on transgender services, um, which I and a couple of the providers went to. And as soon as they were done, both the provider and I raised our hand and were like, well, this is very interesting, but what are you doing here? You're in Humboldt. There's a tiny little community. And their response was, you guys don't realize how many people are driving from Humboldt County to San Francisco just to get hormones. It's not rocket science. Anybody that's interested can do it. So both my provider and I, well, well we had no idea, but we would like to offer those services here. Um, so basically, they just kind of gave us their protocols, their consents, um, how they did it, and then we just took it from there, thinking wrongly, well, you know, if we get 30, 40 people onto this, it'll be worth the, the effort we put into this. Well, we sit at least 200 patients constant. You know, some move out, new ones wow. come in. And so it's a constant turnaround, but it's um, a steady number of around 200, a little bit more than 200. For our small communities. For That's such a small community, yeah, yeah. Oh, what a great um, service. And so now, provide. you know, after we've had that program at Humboldt Open Door for the last few years, we realize, you know, we got to expand these services to our other clinics. So right now, more and more of them are coming on or just starting to get going. Fortuna, um, McKinleyville, uh, Redwood in Eureka. So we're getting more and more of our um, clinics willing to offer these services. 
but you know, it's a, it's been a slow process, but we're moving forward and we're getting there. And cause I'm under the belief that if possible, no one should have to leave their area to get services. Oh, absolutely. For anything. Yeah. And it really bugs me when we have to send somebody out of town to get nephrology or hepatology or something like that. Um, I mean, I understand we're a small community. We don't get a lot of these kind of doctors, but whatever we can do here would be great. Absolutely. I definitely agree. With all of that being said, most of the people that you are seeing then are going to be in those particular realms. Are you also counseling or educating yes. young people? We have uh, you know, behavioral health in our clinic. Um, we, ha- we have a support group for youth and for adults. I'm the first person they see when they want these kind of services because I do the initial intake. Um, and usually in, in that is, I mean, I don't, I'm not really a counselor, but there is some counseling involved as to, you know, are they have any fears or concerns about being transgender or coming out as transgender? Um, any concerns about hormone therapy, um, you know, being out in the community? Not real super comfortable. Um, as time goes on, gone on, I have. And one thing I used to tell them, and I just don't feel I can say this anymore, was, and especially to the young to the younger ones. It's okay, things are getting better. Things are getting better when you were saying that to people. What did that mean for you? Um, that, that they could be more open, mm-hmm. um, didn't have to fear being discriminated against. I mean, there was always going to be some, but I thought it was getting better in the fact that, you know, you can be more open and people will be more accepting. You know, parents are bringing in their children younger and younger because it used to be they were all over 18 and they can have their own consent. Uh, but, you know, now we're getting, you know, children before they even hit puberty that are um, discussing being transgender and transitioning even before they hit puberty. And we're seeing that more in Humboldt as yes, a safe and, and hum- space here Humboldt, for it's us still, to be open. It's still open-minded, but, yeah. you know, most a lot of them are students. They're not going to be here the rest of their life. They're going to go back to Orange County or some other place where it's not going to be so open. But um, that's great that you're offering that counseling and those services here during their formative years. Yes. Because they can be really strong. Yes. That can become their belief system, and then they can go to wherever they're going, and they have a strong belief system, right, so nothing hurts. Right. That's yeah. so always time, you know. You know, that's beautiful. That's who you're doing. The haters hate you, not really because you're transgender or gay. I think most of it is you're just being your true self, and it bugs them that, that you're doing it, and maybe they can't. Because that's what I really believe, you know, um, necktie, jewelry. This is my true self. And if some people are going to not like it, well, that's their problem, not mine. And that's what I try to, to relate to them. It's not your problem. It's theirs are not their true selves. And they hate seeing somebody else being able to do it. And they don't know how they can. Well, I'll tell you this. In my 42 years, I have learned that someone who is uncomfortable or projects uncomfortability towards others, it really is themselves. Yes. If you're around someone who genuinely, truly loves themselves, it's typically positive. They're gonna, yes. <laughs> They're going to accept everybody so for how they are. If it's a negative person, yeah. just let them be because actually it's kind of sad that they yeah. might have to live yeah. in that world But I don't want my in. patients, to, but not your patients. to be harassed um, and feel like there's something wrong with them. So I right. tell them, it's not you, it's them. Yes. It really is them. And I think some people need to hear that. So yes. thank you for Especially saying that for younger. our listeners. Yeah. How, I mean, confidentiality and whatnot, but how young are we speaking to um, so far, I think our youngest one is nine. Okay. Um, and then, of course, the first um, client we had was uh, just over 60. So, so big spectrum. Big, big spectrum. What is the majority of the population that you're They're mostly with? college student age. Because so of So 18 to 26, there. something around in there. Okay. Um, so for those listeners, we have um, a university here at HSU. 
And recently they were named the most open as far as gender, sexuality, and respectfulness in that way. And so we're seeing a lot of students coming up from Southern California. I mean, we are close to SF for those people, San Francisco, for those people who don't know our community. Um, And San Francisco is obviously very open, but the fact that HSU has, you know, been named that is just beautiful because we have such a small, loving, tight-knit community. I mean, it really is a utopia up here. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice if every other place was kind of like this. Yeah. Um, Just open-minded and let people just be who they are. Yeah. And not judge them for it. Right. Um, we're We're so lucky. I think most people in our community are just so into their, you know, into whatever they're doing and they're creating and they're loving and kind. From what I'm experiencing that's my experience uh but i just stay at home a lot (laughs) (laughs) so well with all of that being said i'd love to communicate to our listeners what we can do as a community as a whole as aligned human beings to foster and nurture people when they are going through this transition so can you give us a little bit of understanding when someone is shifting and transitioning um, and they're becoming into their authentic true self, which their physical body may not be representing. What are those, what are those terms now called? Because we want to be appropriate. I've understood that pronouns are, are no longer a thing. We can't be using those because some people might not vibrate with that. So can you touch on that a little bit for me? Sure. Um, So pronouns really are important, but um, they're no longer the he, she, you know, not everybody identifies that way. I'm, I'm male. I identify as male. So my pronouns are he, him, but you know, a transgendered person that looks like me who feels they're a female would prefer you say she, her. Um, and then there's those who don't want either of them. They want they, them. So transgender, let's just be really clear about what that is for those people in um, our listeners who may not even have never heard that term. So transgender basically is somebody who's born a certain sex that we are used to male, female. Um, So let's just say they're born male, but they feel that they're a female. Usually at a very young age, realize that they're different. They just don't have the words for it until they're much older. But they're the ones that are not... Binary, like most of us, of male, female, he, her, they're more in a spectrum. So they don't identify with those, to me, simple pronouns. You know, it's expanded now that they prefer they, thems, or if they're, you know, male to female, they, they want to be used the pronouns of she, her, or they, them. Um, but they don't really want what's been assigned to them at birth because of what society thinks. Because, you know, a lot of people miss and miss are misinformed in thinking that gender and sexuality are the same thing, and they're not. Gender is really how you identify as a person, male, female, androgynous, um, a little of both. You know, it's, it's, we now see it as a spectrum instead of male, female. There's a whole bunch in between. And some days, you know, I've told people, some days I feel very female. Um, and then there are other days I feel very male. I mean, I like sports, I work on cars, um, but at the same time, you know, I like fashion. I don't leave the house without looking what I think is appropriate, which is my hair done, um, bathed with a piece of jewelry on, my earrings. When I don't have my jewelry and earrings on, I always feel like, ooh, I didn't wear anything today. I feel naked. Um, and not that it's a, a shield, it's just how I like to present. Um, and so when I don't have it, it makes me, I'm not uncomfortable, but I always feel like, oh, 
I'm not totally made up and I don't usually leave the house. And that, they might consider that female because, you know, fashion, jewelry, but I can wear all the stuff and still feel very male. Um, but then there's people that are in between that don't really feel either way. So our society is basically really a binary system, you know, male, female, he, she. Um, but there's much more particular young people that, that feel sexuality and gender is on a spectrum. So it's not just one or the other. It can be a, a lot of in-between. So, you know, they might consider themselves non-binary, meaning not really male, not really female, but maybe a little bit of both or none of the, either of the two. And then you have just a lot of different terminologies that people are not familiar with, but doesn't really, shouldn't really scare anybody, you know. Um, gender queer, I mean, that's just somebody who's, again, not really identify as male or female, maybe a little bit of both or neither of them. Um, and so we've got to get away from those paradigms of that binary system because more and more people are recognizing that everything's on a spectrum. And okay, so, so there's so much to this. Yeah. May, I, may I interject sure. and ask questions? Okay, so we have the binary system, which most of our listeners or many of them are familiar with, where there's male and female. Right? Right. You're just born one particular... Yeah, gender. Gender and your sexual preferences relate to that particular gender. And that's very binary. Is that what you're yes. saying? And then there is a spectrum in between that then is kind of in a combination of either your gender and your sexual preference or, well, I guess it would be those two. Yeah. Right? right. And so depending on what you you felt as in your gender and what then you wanted sexually. So there's so many different components here to a human being. And I love this because I think we are evolving as a species. Yes. And I think we're evolving out of that binary. I mean, most people, if you communicate with them, they do have their own thing going on, what they're liking and yes. what they're <clears throat> feeling. And they're feeling very open to doing it. And I think it's beautiful to, you know, receive that and just allow a person to be in whatever way. But this is a real eye-opener for people who may not know about these things. So can you talk to me a little bit about the combinations of gender and sexuality? Because there are men who were born men. You know, give me some of these terms that were born men who maybe are attracted to men or born women who are attracted to men. Like, what are all these combinations? Give okay. me a couple of well, them. Maybe not all of them because I don't want to blow the listeners so, out. So, you know, you, you can combine a lot of different things. And I'll use myself as an example. Um, I'm a cisgender male, meaning I was born male. I identify as male. You're a cis cisgender okay. male. Okay. Um, but I'm also a gay man. So, you know, my gender is male, but my sexuality is I prefer men. Um, nice. versus women and then there's those who don't consider themselves cisgendered and that's usually a transgender person who is born one way but feels another um, and then their sexuality can be unexpected so male who believes they're female um, you would think oh well they're probably going to like men well they may not they may prefer women or they may prefer men um, and I've had transgender patients who've transitioned from one gender to the other, and then their sexuality also changed. So they went from maybe heterosexual as their, how they were born, let's say they were born female, and they've slept with men. They then go to transition to men, and yet they're still attracted to men. So as a female, what we would consider a female, they were heterosexual, but once they transitioned to a man, they're homosexual, who's a big athlete that, that transitioned. Um, one thing, um, she said was, um, 
And they asked her, well, you know, as a male, you were heterosexual, so are you going to be a lesbian? She's like, well, no, I've always been heterosexual. When she, she transitioned to female, she then preferred man. But when she was male, she, he preferred women. So he was, she's now just heterosexual and has always been heterosexual. And some people just couldn't wrap their mind around that. Yeah. They're like, I don't get it. How can that be? So well, th- there's a lot of different combinations yeah. that, you know, you just have to accept people how they are. Some people Some truly, truly identify as the sex they were born. Other people just don't. But they may have sexuality of how they were born. Like if they're born female and like men, once they go to, to male, they may still prefer men. So they were heterosexual and then homosexual and some are heterosexual here and heterosexual once they transition to their new gender which a lot of, again a lot of people don't really can wrap their mind around that right the, those individuals going through the process it's very helpful for them yes to um, organize those thoughts in that way for for the most part it's really none of anyone's business yes yes you, <laughs> you should just accept I mean? somebody however they, you however they are and, you know i tell no a lot of my clients doing. though um there's going to be some people who might be your ally, meaning that they accept it. But um, the way, especially my age, I'm in, I'm 59 years old. Um, Ooh, so very good for oh, 59. Thank you. Um, 59 is the new like 39, though. You know, <laughs> have you noticed everyone that's like a little older looking, yeah. or say they're older, they look so young right. and vibrant. So what my generation, um, we're taught what a male and a female should look like. So, you know, males are, you know, taller, more muscles, short hair, maybe facial hair, female, longer hair, breast, hips. Um, and so, you know, even though we want to be uh, a transgender ally, sometimes we make mistakes, um, especially my age, especially at the very beginning of your transition when, yes, you may be female, born female, but you want to be male. But you have all what my generation would think of as female characteristics breasts, soft skin, um, hips, longer hair, um, you know, just the features look female. And so we can make mistakes, but I try to tell them they want to be your ally. We're going to make mistakes. Try to forgive us, and we'll try to say we're sorry immediately because we don't really want you to feel uncomfortable. Um, It's just, you know, a lot of us are programmed from from birth, especially older generations um, that see things as a binary system one way or the other. Um, so it's harder for the older generation to be, I don't want to say comfortable, but recognize that things have changed. Okay, I'd like to ask you about gender fluid. Can you tell me what that term is? And for the listeners, can you explain that in an easy, palatable way? Um, well, again, I, I'm, I don't consider myself an expert. Oh, of but, course, we're just but, having a conversation. Um, gender fluid basically is somebody who may not identify with either male, female, or both at the same time. Or like, like I said, you know, some days I feel very masculine. Um, just the way I dress, I might, you know, wear, you know, combat boots, and which, again, my generation would consider that male combat boots, jeans. Uh, and then some days I feel very feminine and I want all, everything to match. Um, I mean, every my jewelry matches my earrings, my jewelry matches my outfit, my underwear matches my outfit, my shoes, my socks, everything goes together. Um, and again, my generation, that would be considered probably female. I mean, men, men don't do that. Uh, men don't care how they present. Well, some of us do. And so that's where gender fluid comes in. You don't have to be male or female. You can be a little bit of both or none at all. I wonder if this has to do more with generational gaps and yes. whatnot. Because I'm listening to what you're saying, and, I, and I'm recognizing, of course, from 
that is exactly how that thought is. But even from my generation and younger, I don't necessarily look at someone and think they look masculine or and maybe that's just right. Me. That's that's the generation. Or they I don't, don't really do that look nowadays. And say, oh, you're really feminine looking, or like, what are you? I, yeah. I don't really ask those questions. Yes. I guess. And to and me, the it's younger generation all... usually doesn't. It's oh, the older ones. Us older ones that still have that um, that um, binary system that we're like I always said programmed as mm-hmm. children. You know, to to recognize. Um, you know, males are masculine, female is you know feminine softer um but that just doesn't hold true for people nowadays you can be kind of whatever you really feel yeah Um, i mean you know i go to the gym every week and um, there's different trainers and they all have their own personality some of them are very soft and you know encouraging the others are like just do it pick it up and lift it um personally need that person that's not going to take my bs and call me on it quit rolling your eyes just lift it i know you can do it um, okay. instead of, you know, somebody who's soft, cause I would kind of steamroll over them cause I have a relatively strong personality. And if I don't want to do it, I'll just like, no. Whereas my trainer who will not take no for an answer, she'll just like, um, you no, cons- you do it. You um, consider that to be masculine then? Um, because yes. in the South, we would consider that to be feminine. <laughs> uh, pushing everybody around. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Because yeah. the woman... In in the Southern family, I mean, you've heard of some, I, I would imagine. Yes. If you're from the South, you know what I'm talking about right now. Yeah. But yeah, the, it's the mom. I mean, you do not say no to the mother, yes. you know. But then also the same with the family, you know. And, right. But my, yeah. my point was that, you know, everybody has a quality of them. Some of them, um, my generation, might consider it to be feminine if they're softer spoken and kinder. Right. Um you know, I know it's silly, but there's still some people that, that think that way. Oh, oh well, you yeah. must be female or very feminine. Um, whereas if, you know, you're, you know, pushy and loud and boisterous, you know, you must be masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, which current generation doesn't see things that way anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, and I kind of don't see things that way anymore either. I've realized there is that whole spectrum that never really thought about because I was taught male, female roles you had roles and you didn't really cross over um you know i i knew i was gay before i was in kindergarten i just didn't know what the word was but i questioned since i could talk um because i was thinking gender and sexuality were the same thing um so i'd ask my mother you know well i'm male right I'm, i'm a boy well yes because you know i have a penis so i'm a boy yes boys like girls yes and in my mind i'd be like well then what's wrong with me I have a penis, I should be a boy, and I should like girls then, but I don't. Um, you know, she didn't understand, so, well, you're just going through a phase, you'll get over it. Um, but, you know, at three years old, I'm questioning my sexuality and my gender because they told me that they went together, and they don't. Um, my gender was male, and I felt male, um, and my body parts were male, but my sexuality did not match that. So I was very... Um, it really bothered me. It's like, well, you know, I wanted, cause I had a lot of brothers and I, I want to be like my brothers, you sure. know, cause they like girls. I'm supposed to like girls. What is wrong with me? Um, you know, it took me a long time to realize there was nothing wrong with me. Um, that's just how I was. Um, and you were three in what time era? What was that? 1963. Okay. And so that's a great time because then when you started to become a teenager and start blossoming, 
it's like a beautiful time in the world. Well, right, that's I mean, it was, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, it was always this way that it is today. But, you know, when I was coming out, when I realized I was homosexual at like 12, uh, oh, I knew the, the terminology for it. Um, you know, I was brought up kind of religiously. Um, and, you know, my parents, my uh, pastor was like, you know, pray. And, you know, God will answer your prayers. So I did. And I just thought, didn't answer my prayers, so I turned my back. Um, it took me a decade before I had an epiphany. It was like, ooh, wait a minute. He didn't answer me. The answer was just no. You know, I'm not going to change it because there's nothing wrong with you. I made you that way on purpose. So your goal is to live your life how I made you and be the best human being you can be. And so, like I said, it took me 10 years to realize that. But once I realized that, it's like, oh, okay. You know, I'm okay with myself. I am not a mistake. And anybody that says, you know, transgender, gay, or a mistake, and they consider themselves religious or a Christian, well, then I just don't believe them. Because in my book, in my mind, if you're going to believe in a God, he is omnipotent. And if you're omnipotent, you don't make mistakes. So if he made a mistake, how good of a God is he? That he can make a mistake? Um, so, you know, I, I'm not really a religious person, but at the same time, I, I still have that in my background um, from the way I was brought up. Um, and so I'm much more comfortable now, I'm, ever since my mid-20s, that there's nothing wrong with me. That's why it's, it's them, not me. I'm fine. They're the ones with the problem. I don't know why, but I know it's not going to affect me. So I've always lived my life out in the open, my true self, and if people don't like it, you know, then don't be my friend. Don't talk to me. It's not going to hurt me. I've got plenty of friends. I've got a lot of people that love me and accept me however I am. Um, I don't need you to rain on my parade. And your, your ideas of me don't matter to me. The only ones that matter are the people that I care about. And strangers I don't really know, so it's not going to hurt me at all. Um, but, it, it, you know, you, you get all this, you know, right nowadays, the evangelicals and this and that and the other. But um, it really is, you know, um, just accepting yourself. And if you really believe in God... God doesn't make mistakes, so how can you say anybody's a mistake? So obviously your, your ideas of your religion is a mistake, in my mind. Um, I could be totally wrong, but that's how I see it. Um, God doesn't make mistakes. Um, and if he does, like they said in that movie, and I love movies, so <laughs> I always reference movies with a movie of, of um, the green guy, the Hulk. He's beating up Loki, puny God. So if your God makes mistake to me, puny God, why would I want to... Um, worship that person. Uh, my God doesn't make mistakes. He makes us just the way we're supposed to be. And our job is to just live that life the way we were, we were made and be comfortable with it and just be a good human being. Be kind to your people and not just a race or a gender or a sexuality, but everybody. Um, I mean, I think that's what it's all about is um, accepting people for where they are and who they are and not judge them um, just for that. If you're going to judge and judge them because they're just mean to other people or they're mean to animals or, um, you know, that kind of thing, but not because, you know, they're different than you. Absolutely. That's, that's the beauty of this humanity is that we're all different. Thank you for that. I think that we're a very lucky community to have you. You're such a passionate, driven human being, really acting, 
for a whole population that needs you as their voice. Well, Sergio, it happens to be that time in our podcast where we're going to give a short shout out to a local aligned business that I love so very much, and I think that you will too. This is Dr. Pepper Hernandez from Natural Medicine on the Plaza. Have you ever thought about becoming a holistic health practitioner? Well, now you can with online classes as well as traditional in-class workshops right here in Arcata, Humboldt County. This program is being taught by some of the most amazing teachers in the areas of herbal medicine, holistic anatomy, women's yoni health, essential oils, juice cleansing, meditation, yoga therapy, Ayurvedics, and so many more. Visit the website today and get started on your application, drpepperhernandez.com. Interested in classes, workshops, or other trainings? Check out the website for more information. Start your new journey now, and let's make this your very best year ever. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Quantum Alignment community. So excited to have you. My goodness, we had a great lunch conversation or a little break conversation there. It always seems to get really juicy during the breaks, doesn't it? I think because the pressure's off and then we're just like talking yeah. like completely, you know, <laughs> With no mics like, on. Yeah, yeah. just like, ah. But can we maybe touch back on a couple of those topics that we communicated here about and we were going into the idea of sexuality and gender being more of what we were calling a system of control maybe versus, and this is, you know, historically right. a system of control more than what it really truly is, which is, is just openness and whatever you'd want to be. But can you touch base on that? I know we talked a little bit about that, but I'd love to hear your well, version. Well, a lot of people think, you know, um, that we're trying to change. There are, people are trying to change things, how things have been. This is how it's always been. Well, not really. Um, this, you know, male, female, binary system. You know, that's you guys are trying to change that. Well, not really. That's binary the Binary system right? changed the way we were in the past. In the right. past, I think we were more f open and fluid, um, but um, we as a society thought it would be best to be binary, so it changed um, to that system. Um, so it's not like we're trying to change it, uh, maybe more take it back the way it was. 
Right. Because uh, so that binary yeah. system is very oppressive. You're either this way, you're that, or you're wrong. Um, and it's just not like that. Cultures in the past, um, you know, transgender people were revered. You were of dual spirits. Um, you know, a Native American, um, some of the um, Latino cultures, you know, Mexico, Aztec, and so forth. Um, probably even some European cultures from the past. Didn't have this issue with people that weren't one way or another. And they revered the person that wasn't like them. Um, we have just been kind of more of an oppressive society thinking you have to be one way or another. And it's not always black and white. There's a lot of gray in the world. And we're just kind of taking that back, so to speak. And so we're really not they, meaning, you know, new younger people and younger generations. They're not really trying to change anything. They're just um, pointing out that this system is oppressive to a lot of people. And if you really think about it, it really is. I mean, if you really have to be one way or another, I mean, who? that's just kind of a lot of pressure to, for anybody to be one specific way. What we're saying nowadays is everybody can have whatever trait they want, but they can still identify as however they want. So even if you have a feminine side, doesn't make you any less masculine. And if you have, you know, you're female, you have a lot of masculinity uh, characteristics, doesn't make you any less feminine. They're thinking we're trying to change, but it's always kind of been that way, at least historically. Um, Absolutely. North Americans would describe that as from native people as being like a third gender. Yes. Or like you had said. Yes. Um, and they were very spirit. accepted and revered. They that were like, was a long time That was a long time ago. ago. And, you know, <laughs> so I think, Europeans you know, came in and we changed all of that um, to whatever the system we have now. And so they're thinking, again, I'm going to blame it all on my generation, but they're thinking, you know, this is the way it is and this is how it should always be. Um, whereas nowadays people are like, well, you know, that's just too oppressive. And um, there are still cultures currently today yes. in different communities that believe in the two spirit or the third, you know, gender. And, and those are actually revered and looked at as a very powerful and beautiful yes. and elegant and spiritual and tuned in. They're I mean, teachers. Yeah, they're teachers. I mean, it's, it's just amazing how different cultures view sexuality yes. and as you were saying the binary term like very masculine or very feminine like who's to say what that is yes. it's so silly to think that anyone has control over labeling someone else in whatever way that would be it's just it's just yeah. it's just interesting and it's nice that all those kinks are, are kind of coming out now because it yeah. just doesn't make any sense yeah. now what a person is capable of doing in the workplace or if they're a compassionate loving kind person or if they're a speaker an advocate what they choose in their privacy of their own home should have absolutely nothing to do with us yes and how they feel when they wake up that morning, if they want to put on jewelry or they want to put on combat boots, as you were saying earlier, that has absolutely nothing to do with me, you know? Yeah. And so that's very, I think that that's very interesting. And so shifting over just a little bit for those community um, members here locally that come to you and you're working, you know, we've spoken a lot about the transgender community or at least um, pronouns that we should be using. Let's shift over into those community members who are working towards, you know, living with HIV positive and, and then having, you know, mates who are possibly, as we spoke of in our little break, possibly do not have, 
are there um, certain things that they can do to not contract that and but still being in loving committed relationship with someone so I'm sure you're experiencing all these type of questions can you give us a little or shed a little light on something like that Things have changed dramatically since um, HIV was first recognized um, and given the, the terminology of HIV AIDS. Prior to that, there was a lot of different words that they used to describe because it was new. Um, but, you know, HIV can be very preventable. You know, condom use. Um, there's now PrEP, which is pre-exposure prophylaxis uh, for people who are negative that want to stay negative. What is that? So it's a, it's a medication called Truvada that you take daily that protects you if you have unprotected sex or let's just say the condom breaks or slips off or, or you know, maybe you're inebriated and you forget um, or you just don't want to use it. It is used for for people that are negative, that want to stay negative, uh, and feel that they might be at risk for HIV, which is pretty much everybody having sex. You know, whether you're gay, straight, or not, um, if you're having sex, you're at risk for HIV. It's just a fact. It's not just one. Right. It's It's no longer just you know only gay people get it. No, you know, I've I've given HIV positive results to a lot of heterosexuals, and they're always like, "Well, I didn't know I was at risk." And I'm in the back of my mind, it's like, but you're having sex. Right. You know, it, any kind of a sexually transmitted infection doesn't just stay in one specific community. Right. Um, because silly. we are so fluid um, that it's, it's, it's going to jump. It's not going to just stay in the gay community or, you know, only transgenders will get this. Only gays will get this. Only heterosexuals will get this. No, we all get everything. It is a human disease, not, not a sexuality disease, so to speak. So, you know, PrEP is, is something that, can be used. It's a tool. It's a tool for people. You know, we, we call it like a toolbox. One of them is using condoms. Some people will only go out with an equal status, meaning if they're HIV positive, they'll only go out with people who are HIV positive. If they're negative, they only want to go out with people who are negative. You know, and then some people will use PrEP and some people use all of it. Because a lot of people think, well, you put people on PrEP and they're just going to go out and have unprotected sex. But the thing is like, hello, that's what they're doing now. Um, this is just another tool. That's not necessarily true either. No, no, but a lot of them might, they're, you know, they're thinking if you use PrEP, they're going to give them an okay to have unprotected sex. Well, there's a lot of people that do that anyways. Um, so this is just a tool to help prevent that. Um, if they're not going to use condoms or be zero discord, you know, uh, um, looking for the, the positive or negative, whatever they prefer. Um, you know, this is just another tool to help them prevent getting infected. And it can be used by everybody, gay, straight, male, female, IV drug users. And, it, and it's been shown to work. Um, and at least in this country, since it's been out, no one has, who's been on PrEP has come up with HIV. First started in San Francisco, which probably had some of the highest infection rates in the country. Their rates have dropped dramatically since they've been offering PrEP. The rates of HIV infection dropped at least by half because in the first couple of years. And it just keeps going lower and lower and lower um, with the goal being that no new infections because it's very preventable nowadays, you know, especially with, with PrEP. I knew people when I was growing up who were gay and their family was not accepting of it. And where did they all run to? They all ran to San Francisco for the most part. Because like-minded Because yes. Okay. So it was, you know, I wanted to be really the, clear with West Coast, it was the gay Mecca. If you were gay and you wanted to live your life Openly, you went to San Francisco. You know, things have changed now where you don't have to do that. You can be who you are wherever you are. Mm -hmm. 
So I have a question for you Mm -hmm. with, I mean, that was a great statement that you said about the prep, meaning if someone has, is taking this or during this time frame that people have been taking it, there has been a decrease in general. Do you think there's been a decrease in HIV just because of the awareness of these drugs like prep? Would you go as far as giving us a ballpark range of percentile? Um, I don't know if I can really do that. But what I can say is, you know, besides PrEP, people who are HIV positive who are on therapy, um, the goal of therapy is to have a non-detectable viral load, meaning um, they they can't identify any virus on a blood test. That's wonderful. Um, What we do now know is that people who are undetectable do not transmit their virus. Let's just say you were HIV positive, you're on medications, your viral load is non-detectable you're not going to pass your virus on to somebody if you're having unprotected sex with them. Whereas in the past that, you know, we the drugs know weren't that much right. We didn't know that. that. And I don't think the drugs were strong enough back then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of so things, we, I mean, just leaps and bounds. Yes. yes. This is beautiful information. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, being on therapy prevents HIV infection itself. You know, a lot of people also don't understand that, you know, people who come up with an HIV positive test, a lot of times they change their behavior. If they don't use condoms, they'll start using condoms. Or if they only use them every now and then, they'll use them more frequently. They'll get on therapy. Um, and they're more likely to take care of themselves so that they don't transmit that virus. Nobody wants to infect anybody else, I don't think. You know, so nowadays, there's a lot more tools that people can use. Um, if you're already infected, get on therapy. So you're undetectable and you don't pass your virus. If you're negative and you want to stay negative, get on PrEP or use condoms 100% of the time. You know, So there's... You know, we're at a point now where it's, you really got to work at it Mm -hmm. to get HIV infections Um, because there's just, you know, things that you can do. And yet somehow the word doesn't always get out. Not sure why, but like PrEP, you would think we'd have so many more people on it. And we have a large number of people on PrEP, but you would just think that people would be pounding at the door. I want to be on PrEP. I want to be on PrEP. I want to be on PrEP. And yet sometimes you talk to people and they're like, well, what's that? Maybe they're they're not aware. So maybe well, that's a program what I'm like it's, this it's, one. They're not can, aware, and I don't know how we can get the word out to more and more people. I know people try, but you know it's still something that a lot of people don't know about, um, which is a little disconcerting to me in this field. It's like, oh, everybody should know this. You know, uh, how do we get get it out so that everybody knows about it? Because um, it is not just for the gay community; it's for the, all the communities. You know, you don't have to be gay to take it. Um, you just have to be sexually active. I think that there is this huge stigma around HIV and AIDS, and there has been in oh, our yeah. country for a very long time. It's kind of one of those things like the, uh, the C word, the cancer word. People are very scared of it. But as far as HIV and AIDS is concerned, from my acknowledgement of, of other community members and people who've talked with me about it, they think it is, like what you said earlier, a a sex disease. Now, there are many ways that people can contract yeah. blood transfusions, right. um, sharing needles. Yes, uh, you know, intravenous drug use. There's many, many ways. And so just being compassionate for anyone who's going through something like yeah. that, it's accidental. I mean, there's so many. Yeah. Well, nobody things. wants to, to get it on purpose. We're going to shift gears a little bit unless there's anything else you wanted to say about all of those things. I really appreciate all your valid information. And I'm hoping that if anyone 
would like to speak with you one-on-one or wants to communicate with you in any of these topics, uh, later in the show, we'll give them the information okay. in order to reach out to you because you seem like a very solid person to um, just tune in with and, and be present with if someone's going through this. So yeah. I appreciate you being yeah. here. So with that being said, actually, how do you do your self-care? How do you take the best <clears throat> care of yourself? Because you're an amazing human being. You've got a message. You, you're actually connecting with the network of people you need to. How are right. you taking good care of yourself? Well, I... I try to practice what I preach. Mm-hmm. So I tell, you know, people, you know, take care of yourself. So I do. I mean, I, I go to the gym several times a week. Um, um, I eat whole foods, um, try to eat less processed food. Um, so I, I watch my diet. I exercise. Um, I get a consistent amount of sleep every night. Meditation, which helps me. Um, some people prefer yoga or you know, riding a bike. I mean, I ride a bike also, but so that's what I try to do. Everything in moderation. I mean, I like to have a drink every now and then, and I don't mind having two or three at a time, but I don't do that very often. Um, I don't really care for drinking a whole lot, so I don't really, you know, use it up, but I do like having a drink every now and then. And it's about that time in our show to do a tarot card reading with you. (laughs) Okay. But I have a personal question for you because you're right here and you're a phenomenal source in our community. I get testing every single time I have even a thought that I'm going to shift partners or have a new partner. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering going in and I basically just talk to open door to my particular um, provider there and ask for blood work for all STDs or STIs and are they testing for HIV? Because honestly, I have never really said, what are you testing for? I just was give, thought that they would test for everything. Now I would right. go in, obviously every time I go in, it's not because I have any symptoms. It's because I'm wanting to make sure that I'm doing the adult thing right. prior to movement into a new relationship. And then I ask the partner that I'm thinking about going into intimate relationships with to do the same. Right. Everyone should do that. I don't know why they don't. But what are they, what kind of things are they testing for? Because now you've got me curious. Okay. So um, in the past, somebody wanted to come in for an STI screen. Um, it used to be just blood and urine. That's, that's great. You do need that. Um, but sex is a taboo subject for a lot of people. Um, and they're uncomfortable talking about it. So they just offer the basic. Blood and urine. Well, we now know that that's not enough. Um, you have to ask the question of what are you doing and where are you putting things? So you can get what we now know is that some of the um, sexually transmitted infections are site-specific, meaning if you're with somebody who has an STI, let's just say they have gonorrhea or chlamydia, and you perform oral sex on that person, they can give you that, that infection in your, your throat, um, anybody that's having anal sex, same thing. If they're with a partner who has one of these infections, they can have it in their rectum. But blood and urine won't catch that. You have to be site-specific. You have to test those specific sites to see if you have it. That basically means your provider has to ask you what you're doing and be comfortable asking you, what are you doing when you're in bed with somebody? You know, Because right now, blood and urine... It's just not enough. you got to ask those questions so that you can capture the places where it could be. Because if you do blood and urine and you've got it in your throat, 
you're just going to be passed it on to anybody else you perform oral sex on. Instead of them giving it to you, you're now going to start giving it to other people without knowing. So, you know, if you, you go in for an STI screen, you know, some providers might still, and we're getting better and better, um, might be uncomfortable asking those questions. But if you're aware of it, you can also tell them, you know, I performed oral sex, maybe you should check my throat. Or I have anal sex, maybe you should check my rectum. Um, and again, male, female, here's this, you know, binary thing all one way or another. Well, I'll ask the guys that, but I won't ask the woman about anal sex because they don't have it. But statistics show 38% of women have anal sex. So you've got to ask the question even to a female. And you just have to get comfortable with it. And it's not that difficult once you, you know, maybe the first time you talk to somebody about it, it's a little uncomfortable. But it just gets easier every time. And what I have found is um, once you start asking people these questions and why you're doing it, they're comfortable. Oh, well, then I really want you to know my history. And then they start giving you way more information than you really mm -hmm. might want. Um, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. I don't really need to know all of that. But, you know, people want to talk about it. They want to feel comfortable enough with any provider to talk about any kind of a subject. Um, and once you start asking them those specific questions, it makes them feel like, oh, wow, this person's really has my best interest at heart. So they have to ask these questions. Not that we're being nosy, because the first person I did that to was a cisgender heterosexual man. And I was just, because I didn't know him, so I was asking him about what stuff he was doing. And he was starting to get offended, like, well, what do you need to know that for? And when I explained why, all of a sudden he was like, oh, I had no idea. Well, this is what I, and then he just gave me his whole sexual history, um, which was a good thing. But um, he was like, no one's ever... No one's ever asked me that before. I said, well, things, things are changing. Things change all the time. Um, just in everything. You know, like we said, yeah. our binary system it really is not binary. Um, STI screens are not just blood and urine anymore. People are doing things that maybe they didn't do in the past or they just didn't talk about it in the past. Thank um, you so for we that. Need, so we need to be more open-minded about just talking about stuff. So when I go in... And get my blood work done, which you gave us so much great information. I should be asking for blood, urine, as well as cultures. Yes. Even if I am not, I have no symptoms of right. anything, I should still be asking for all of those. Yes. I mean, if you're, if you're performing oral sex or if you have anal sex, then yes. If they don't ask you, you should bring it up. Because the standard screen is basically, like I said, blood and urine, which is um, testing for HIV, gonorrhea, chlamydia, and syphilis. So it does test. I think that was my, yes. my secondary question. Well, it used to be HIV was, was not in the mix. It was all just right. gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis. HIV came out, and then we realized that's got to be part of an STI screen. How and now long it's, has that been a part We have of to it? add these specific sites now. Um, so things change all the time in everything, and, and that's one, one thing that's changed um, is how we test people for um, infections. How long has HIV been a part of the testing? Um, wow. Um, I mean, around probably. About I'm gonna. I, probably, I don't know. Yeah, probably less than ten years. I mean, before it was, you know, HIV was a whole separate test. Yeah. Um, you know, you had to see a counselor first, uh, then get the blood work, so and then talk to the counselor afterwards. Yeah. It was all anonymous or. Thank you for all that, because sure. that was a real personal question, but it was the truth, and I wanted to ask you, and so maybe that helps someone else as well. So we're going to pull a card from the Wisdom for Healing cards. Are you okay. down? Sure. Okay. 
So what you'll do is you can do it in any way. You can shuffle them. You can hand scan them. You can just visually look and see which one's appealing to you. But what we're going to do is we're going to hope that um, the one that you choose kind of brings forth the message that you brought today. And they're really fun to do. So I'm going to hand you those. Okay. You do that. And while you're doing that, I'm going to play the singing bowl. Oh, okay. Oh, Sergio, you're so fun. Did you find one? Yes. So I, again, just randomly picked a card, um, and it says, eat healthful foods. Should Wonderful. Please do read <clears throat> so the So today's, today's lesson, lesson, eat only the foods that are good for you. Perhaps this is something you normally do, in which case you should feel very good about how well you're caring for yourself. Most people, however, know that they should be more attentive to this area, but find it difficult. Your goal, to practice healthy nutrition. And it goes a long way to keeping you healthy in every other way. Your whole health, um, mental, physical, spiritual. Absolutely. Absolutely. And keeping us more into alignment. Because so, you are what you eat. Oh, of, of course. Tell those listeners who are in our community that have access to you how they can connect with you directly. Okay. Um, so... I work at Humboldt Open Door Clinic in Arcata. Um, basically, you can just call the office and just ask for me. Um, again, my focus is HIV, transgender services, and PrEP. So if you're interested in any of those three categories, I'm the person to talk to. And like I said, I can send you to the, pro the appropriate clinic. So if you're in Eureka, because I like people to stay where they're at. Sure. So if we have services available in Eureka and you live in Eureka, I will let you know we have those services available there. But most people come to me first. Um, so you can reach me at uh, Open Door Clinic in Arcata. The phone number there is 707-826-8610. And when they answer, just tell them you want to speak to Sergio Codina, the nurse. Um, and they'll transfer careful, you. Sergio. Well, yeah. I mean, I get that all the time. I, I tell all the um, community organizations to just... Give them my name or call me and give me their name and I will contact them. Um, so it works either way. Um, and I don't easy. mind phone calls. I try to get back to people the same day if I can. Uh, sometimes I can't. And depending on particularly which one, because like transgender, it's a longer process. So if I have a bunch of phone calls, I might put that off till tomorrow. But if you call about PrEP or HIV, I want to get to you as soon as possible so that I can get you in and if you're HIV, get you started on therapy because that is the paradigm. Hit it early, hit it hard, get you undetectable. PrEP is, you want it, I want to give it to you today if I can. So if you call me at 4.45, of course, I'll bring you in the next day. But if you call me at 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to try to get you in that afternoon um, to get things going. Always call me um, and I can um, send you to the appropriate place if you don't want to travel. Well, again, I thank you for being here, and we are super, super grateful to have you in our community. Great. You are a asset. I appreciate that. So thank you for making time to be present because I know you're a super busy person. And to come on our show and help us encourage others to get one step closer to aligning themselves to their highest alignment, their physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional bodies. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Have a magical, wonderful day, and let's try to make this your very best life ever. Ding, 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 ding.
This episode has been brought to you by Universal Love.